Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series Podcast, where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you with your life shaped by the Word. Well, hey Heights family, how are y'all doing? Good to see you. That sounds like you're doing well. My name's Randy Hahn. I used to be pastor here at the... Uh, at the Heights. I hope it doesn't feel like I've been gone that long. Uh, I have been gone a while out, out the month of August, some of that. Tra- got to travel with our, our choir uh, to Italy. That was kind of like part vacation, part mission work, and, and all of it together was just phenomenal. I love our choir. Man, they're just incredible what we got to see and do and, and experience all together and do the, the work of the Lord. But had a great time uh, with them and, and then a little bit of vacation in there. I've been actually back the last couple of weeks. I've been in, not in the pulpit, obviously, but, but in the office and, and uh, getting ahead for the fall and been pretty busy. Uh, I've had to do a couple of funerals. Did one yesterday for Wilda Freeland. I know that name is familiar to a lot of you. Y'all listen to this. Wilda was a member of the Heights Baptist Church for 70 years. Yeah, isn't that impressive? I mean, wow, that is awesome. You go ahead and clap. Don't kind of do it. There we go. So, uh, gosh, think of, you know, that being in a church that long and the context of, of all that you see, the changes and the movement and all the different pastors she had. I was her favorite pastor in 70 years. I mean, she never said that, but I know in her heart she felt it, and, uh, but, but uh, certainly was a, a great honor to be with her and her family yesterday in that service. And uh, like I said, getting ahead for the fall, really excited about some things that we're going to be presenting to, uh, in just a few seconds, uh, presenting today and next week. As a matter of fact, you might want to go ahead and download an app uh, if you have an iPhone. If you, if you have an Android, I'm sorry. I don't know why they've they not developed it for the Android. They tell me it is on the way, but the North American Mission Board has an app that we're going to be using a lot. Some of you may already be familiar with it. Uh, if you have an iPhone, go to your app store and search three circles. You just put in three circles and you will find this. And I encourage you to download it. And you know what? At the end of the service, if you think, I didn't need that, then you can delete it. It's just that simple. But I think, I think you'll really want it. Uh, about a year ago at this time, I shared with you some tweaking that we were doing with our vision. And that involved us uh, trying to figure out how we can train 500 people, and that's a lot, how we can train 500 people to share and to live and to encourage the gospel in the world in which we live in today. Now, a lot of people hear that and they think it's all about evangelism. It's just about learning to share your faith. Yes, that is a part of it, but it is, it is much, much more than that. And it's not something done in a classroom. It's not something done on a particular night at a certain time, but really helping you and I engage in relationships where one-on-one we help each other, disciple each other in growing and being strong in the Lord in the context of which we live, in the world in which we live. And, and so we have uh, still kind of putting some final touches on that, but we've got it down to what we're calling six conversations. Not six lectures, 
You don't go to a classroom for this. Six conversations. You're going to see conversation number one today. And then next week, we're going to learn about conversations two through six. The presentation today will be very, very different from the presentation next week, although it all is going to kind of go together. And uh, folks, I think there's going to be some, some real excitement in this. I really believe what you're going to be introduced to the next two Sundays is what is going to shape and drive this church for decades to come. And I think it very much centralizes us on on what Jesus has here to be and do in each other's lives and and in our world. So pretty, I think a pretty important couple of Sundays. And then two Sundays from now, September 18th, I'm going to start a series called Heaven and Hell. And we're going to spend some time looking at these two places and, and learning the things we want to learn about that. But the focus... You know, we, we look at these two places, and for most of us, they are, they're something way, way out there in the future. They're so future, they're almost not real, right? I mean, you and I can go huge chunks of our life without thinking about either one of these places. And what we're going to see in these series is that what we're learning about heaven, what we're learning about hell, should absolutely shape the things I've got to do this week. What I'm about to do about this relationship, what I'm about to do about this problem, what I'm, how I'm working through and navigating this issue. These way, way out there places are to impact how I think and live today. So we'll be starting that on September 8th, uh, 18th. I hope you'll be here with some excitement to learn about these two, place, two places, one of which you spend forever, right? And so... That's what we'll be doing. So that brings us back to today. Okay, what are we doing today? Well, we're remembering that you and I were in a culture war. Now, it's not news to say we're in a culture war. America has been in a culture war. I think a lot of people would say maybe as much as 50, 60, even 70 years that we've been in this war. And a culture war is not unique to America. It's not unique to being what Christians think. As a matter of fact, you can go back to Europe almost 300 years ago and see that term, culture war. So that's not news for me to say, hey, y'all, we're in a culture war. I'm not announcing anything there. But I think what is maybe a little different today in America is the polarization that we've arrived at in America. Now, in a war, you're kind of polarized, right? You're, you're on one side or the other. And, and so you would anticipate that. But I, th- I think there's a polarization in place that is even before we address these issues. And what the polarization has done is so intensified the war that it is a, a place now where there's no armistice. There's no compromise. It is a winner-take-all. It is a loser-lose-all. You lose everything, and we don't quit until the other side loses everything. And this is the mentality as we come to things like gender and marriage and sexuality and the value of human life and religious freedom and more. You always got to have the proverbial and more. But but these are significant issues that, that we are warring over in our society. I find Christians, and this is just my opinion, you can take it or leave it. (laughs) I find Christians to be in three camps. We're in one of three camps in the war. Some of us are in the war camp, right? 
Man, for the glory of God and the sake of righteousness, we're going to war. We're, we're going to do it through politics, through voting, maybe even running for office ourselves. We're going to do it through social media. We're, we're going to do it through community involvement. I mean, whatever, listen, whatever it takes, I'm at war, and for the glory of God, I'm going to engage in this war. And I think a lot do. I think a lot engage and a lot do it for the glory of God. I think a challenge for this camp is to make sure it is for the glory of God. You you and I have the ability to take our own preferences, the little world, the way I like it, and I attach some verses to it, and I say it's for the glory of God, and then I go to war, and really it's for the glory of me. It's how I see and value things, and it's it's what I I, I want a world where everybody goes to church. You know, you know, yeah, you know, you can want that. It not be for the glory of God, believe it or not. So this is the war camp. The, the other side of the war camp would be the love camp. Sounds kind of creepy, doesn't it? But it's, it's a very legitimate camp. And you know, the love camp would kind of look over at the war camp and say, "Hey, guys, we're not supposed to be known for who we're against." We're not supposed to be known for what we're against. We're supposed to be known for our, our love, said Jesus. I mean, they have that on pretty good authority, right? And I don't think the problem is what Jesus said. Hey, kudos to me for figuring that out. I don't think the problem is what Jesus said. It's, it's in many things. It's our application. What, what does it mean to love? What does it look like to love? And I think the challenge for the love camp is why we're loving and smiling. And folks, a lot of times under the name of love, that just means I'm not going to do anything except sit here and smile. And, and that camp needs to realize, hey, you know, a real actual war is going on. And the war was brought to us. And while I'm sitting here loving, real ground is being lost on gender, on marriage, on sexuality, on the value of life. I mean, real grant. Is that what God had in mind? That while you and I are being loving, we're giving away the farm? That, that's, our, that's our love camp. And then the third camp. Now, the third camp is the big camp. As a matter of fact, I would suggest that the third camp is bigger than the other two camps combined. And it's the I can't camp. I, I can't do the love or the war because my truck is broke because I got laid off because we're taking our first child to college because man things at home right now are you know with what's going on at work do you get where I'm going with this it's the I can't because I'm so overwhelmed with what's going on in my own life. Now, you're probably anticipating I'm just going to invalidate this whole group. This whole camp is missing in action. No, this is a real camp. And there's real reasons that you and I end up in this camp for a season. Hey, we've all been there. We've all been in a place in our lives where something so urgent, so big, so significant is going on. Man, we just kind of got to draw down and just focus on this one thing, right? I mean, I may have to go and do this, and I may have to cover this, but all my heart, all my energy is on this one thing. That's real, and we end up in those places. And I actually believe there's some times where God would say, hey, you need to put it all right here, right now. You need to focus on this. Hey, all three of these camps have verses. You know what I'm saying when I say that? 
All three of the camps can be doing things that God said to do. All three of the camps can be doing important things, but all three of these camps are radically involved in giving away the war right now. Because as many God things as we might be doing, we are not doing the main thing. I realize I can be great at mowing the yard. I can be great at decorating the house. But if the house is on fire, it's not going to matter how good I decorated it. It's not going to matter how good the yard looks if it's burning. And I see the church in America running around and taking care of the yard and taking care of decorations and making sure we have this and we have that. And and we're not acknowledged that the house is on fire. We're not doing the main thing. And if you're not doing the main thing, it will not matter what other God thing you're doing. Folks, God's given us a way to engage the culture. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. It's a very simple idea. You you reach a person, you can reach a family. You reach a family, you can reach a community. You reach a community, you can change a culture. You can reach an empire. Folks, that's not motivational speaking. That's not positive thinking. That's just the telling of history. I mean, right? Let's remember, there's a, there's a point in time, there's a moment where all the Christians in the world could fit on the front two rows here. A couple dozen people. They don't even qualify to be a minority at this point. There's a couple, couple dozen people on the planet. And, and then they became more, Right? You know, we know after Jesus resurrected, there was a gathering of believers, and there's like 120. I'm guessing there was some believers outside of the room, outside of that group, but let's just go with 120. And a week later, they were 5,000. That's pretty good. Can you imagine us being in here today? And we're two, 300 people. We come back next week, and there are 5,000. I guess there's a good feeling of excitement, right? Man, this is awesome. We're owning this. This is great. But you know, even at 5,000, they barely qualify to be a minority. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's in an empire that has millions and tens of millions. And as they did grow, as they did get bigger, they were hated. And they were persecuted. And they were executed. That's just a little over three weeks ago. I got to stand in the center there of the Roman Colosseum. I, I left there and I went and did some research. Because some of the things that our, our tour guides were saying, I thought, that's not right. I need to follow up and check on this. And I went and looked, and it was, it was about how many Christians actually died in the Colosseum. And, and you know, folks, you're going to get different numbers and different ideas. There's some real good history out there that would suggest as many as 400,000 Christians lost their lives in the Colosseum. Not across the Roman Empire, in the Colosseum. Now, let's say that report is overestimating. Oh, it's it's a little bit exaggerated. Okay, let's cut it by 75%. A hundred thousand? That seems like a lot to me. It was incredibly dangerous for decades, for a century, to be in the Roman Empire and say, I believe in Jesus. You and I have never for a single second experienced or faced anything like. I'm not saying there's never been a cost. I'm saying we've never experienced where something could actually cost our lives. And yet, by the 4th century, the Emperor Constantine declared Rome a Christian empire. 
Now, I don't, I don't think that means everybody in the Roman Empire was a Christian. As a matter of fact, I know that's not what it means. But how did we get to a place where we were killing Christians by the tens, if not the hundreds of thousands, to where the culture said we're a Christian culture? You know, folks, those, the, the, the people that led to that, do you realize almost none of them ever held a Bible in their hands? They had none of the resources we have. They have none of the training that we have. They had, they had nothing. They had nothing like what we had. What did, what did they do to bring the Roman Empire to the place of Christ? Just what God said to do. The gospel. One person. One person at a time. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through me. God wants to appeal to your school, and he wants to do it through you. God wants to make an appeal to your place of business, and he wants to do it through you. God wants to make an appeal in your neighborhood, and he wants to speak that appeal through you. God wants to say something in your home, and he wants to do it through you. We implore you on behalf of Christ. I beg you. Boy, that's emotionally charged language, isn't it? Man, I beg you, be reconciled to God. You and I are an ambassador. Now, let's think about how serious we take that. I'm going to step out on a limb and say that not a single person in this room has thought about or acted upon the fact that heaven calls you an ambassador. Not one. Let that soak in for a moment. God has said something about you. God has identified you as something, and it means nothing. Nothing to us. Now, what, what is an ambassador? I think, I think it's kind of a high-sounding official word, isn't it? And guess what? In the Bible, and what God is calling you is a high-sounding official word. It means I am a representative of this nation or government to this nation or government. Now, let's think about what ambassadors do. Let me rephrase that. Let's think about what ambassadors don't do. Ambassadors don't make policy. Ambassadors don't make decisions ambassadors don't choose strategies. Ambassadors are just messengers. It's the government's job. It's that nation's job to decide the strategy, to, 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 to create the message. I just deliver it. I am, you are, an ambassador of heaven. That should shape who I am and what I am and what I'm talking about in the week of heaven. I am a citizen of that government. I am a citizen of heaven. Philippians 3.20. Not one day. I'm not, I'm not one day going to be a citizen of heaven. I am currently a citizen of heaven. And God says, as a citizen, I am an ambassador to this world, to this culture, to carry the message of heaven. That's who I am. You and I get caught up in a lot of other identities. I'm a rich person. I'm a poor person. I'm a healthy person. I'm an unhealthy person. I'm married. I'm single. I'm this gender. I'm that gender. None of these identities are to shape who I am. You know what all those other things are? They're just the context by which I'm going to be an ambassador. They're just going to create the opportunity of where I go and make an appeal on behalf of God. 
I'm an ambassador. That's all my job is this week. That is all I am here to do is to be this ambassador to carry this message. And what's the message? Well, if I go back to 2 Corinthians 5.20, it's to say, hey, God has a fix. God wants to reconcile things with, with you and me. There's a fix to our problem. Now, a fix implies there's a problem. A fix implies something is broken. Do we need to discuss that? Is anybody wondering if anything's broken today? By the way, saying that something's broken is not, that's not because of 2020. Something's not broken because of who is or who is not in office. Do you realize something was desperately broken when you were happy? Something was desperately broken in, a, in America of yesteryear. We've been broken forever. And there's good news. There is a fix. We can be reconciled with God. We can be restored to why he created us and why we're here. And folks, that's our job. That's what I am to do this week with believer and unbeliever alike. That's right. We're even ministering and working with the gospel with each other, with believers. We're always reminding each other to go back to the cross, to go back to God's grace. That's not something just for a day, a moment in my life. That's something I need every single day. We're, we, are, we are to share and to live and to encourage the gospel in each other every single day. That, that's what we do as an ambassador. Hey, if you want to make a real change, and I get it, we don't all want to make a real change because a lot of us are kind of stuck in the I can't camp, which we've got to watch out because the I can't camp can be, that can be a cover for cowardice. That can be a cover for ignorance. That can be a cover for incredible apathy about what's going on around me and why God has put me here. Folks, you and I can make a real difference in our home, in our community, in our culture by simply having a gospel conversation. I use that word simply as if it was simple, right? You know, statistically speaking, 96, 97% of us We'll never share the gospel once in our life, never once. I used to think that was kind of a bad status. That's a bad percentage, a bad stat, right? I mean, it can't get any worse. Well, I mean, it could be 99, right? And it's actually gotten much worse. That The generations of us who will not share our faith have produced a generation coming behind us that is more devastating than just not doing it. Barna found in 2019 in a poll that 46% of millennials, almost half of all millennials, let me rephrase this, half of all millennials in church believe it is wrong to share our faith. It's not just that I'm not going to share my faith, it is wrong to do what God said. And if Gen Z, I haven't seen a poll on that, or at least on that question, if Gen Z were to be polled, I would guess you could probably already double that number. That's the 15 to 35-year-olds coming up into Take the Church. They believe it's wrong to do what God said to do. You know, if it's not clear yet, folks, we're not losing a war because of who and who is not in office. 
We're not losing a war because of social media. We're not losing a war because it is so bad out there and people are so bad out there. We're losing a war because you and I will not do what God told us to do. You and I will not be what God has called us to be. And that's why we're losing a war. I don't know about y'all. I want that to change right here, right now. I want, I want it to change in me. I want it to change in the Heights Baptist. Lord, if you only do this in one church in all of America, and praise God, it's not just one church. But if you're only going to do it in one church, start here. Blow us up until we will be and do what you have called us to be and do. Folks, we're getting sidetracked on a lot of minor things. And we use that to tell ourselves, I'm right where God wants and I'm doing right what God wants while we're mowing the yard in front of a burning house. God, start here. And folks, it's a simple, gosh, what's it going to take? Have a gospel conversation. It, it, it literally is simple as saying, have a gospel conversation. Be, being available, being used by God, being ready to be used by God to have a gospel conversation. Folks, what we're talking about, uh, as a matter of fact, if you did download that app, you may want to go ahead and, and get it out and start looking at it. We're going to walk through this app real quickly. I've got a phone out there coming. It'll be here in just a second. But uh, a, a, as you look at that app, folks, we're talking about having a gospel conversation. It doesn't require you to memorize anything. It doesn't require you to, uh, you know, not like anybody. It doesn't require you to be angry. It doesn't require you to be against something. It doesn't require you to be able to answer all of the questions in the world and all of the Bible questions. It, it doesn't require any of those things. You know, what it, you know what it takes for you to have a gospel conversation? Here, go ahead. I'll take it, Greg. Thank you. What, what it takes is for, is for you to care. To care about the person in front of you and to care about what God told you to do. That's all it takes. And my prayer is that today, next Sunday, the months, the year to come, we are more and more going to become a church that when we leave here, we are an army of people going out into our culture and world to have gospel conversations you know, I, I've, I've used a lot today, the, the, I mean, I've put this whole message in the context of a war. I just said we're going to be an army. And now here's where that language is maybe not helpful. You know, you know folks, I'm not trying to have a gospel conversation so I, we can gain political power. God help you if you think this is about political power. I'm not trying to have a conversation because I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to win a war. No, I'm, try, I'm trying to have a conversation because I care about the well-being of the person in front of me. And I want to be what God's called me to be, and I want to do what God's called me to do. I want to be the main thing, the main thing God's called me to be and do in this world. And that, and that is make myself available to, to have these gospel conversations. You know, the, the, the presentation I want to show you real quickly is... Uh, it said, Mongo, it doesn't require you to memorize anything. It doesn't require any intelligence, so I can sign up for it. Um, 
It requires me to be able to read. Here, here's the hard part, and this is the part that scares us. This is why 97 of us out of 100 are not going to do this. It does require a transition. It does require me to move from an everyday normal conversation to a gospel conversation. And that's where most of us, all the butterflies are flying in order, and we're just not going to do it. We're scared to death. But you and I have conversations. I want to say every day, that's probably, I mean, when can you say every, right? You and I have conversations almost every day where we could have a gospel conversation. We just need to make the transition. And in almost every conversation, you know what's happening? You and I are talking about something we're frustrated by, right? I mean, if it's a close friend, we might be saying, man, I'll tell you what, things at home right now. Maybe we're at work and we're not happy with the way things are rolling out and some of the things going on. So what are we doing? We're talking with coworkers. Man, I don't believe this. Man, I can't believe this. You know, a lot of conversation. Man, you just watch the news for five minutes and you're going to be talking with somebody about something you don't like, right? And in every one of those conversations, there's an opportunity for you and me to say, hey, you know what? I haven't been through that exact thing that you're talking about, but... Hey, you know what? I've been through that exact same thing. Or, boy, I understand exactly what you're saying. That, 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 that's the easy part of the sentence. Now here comes the, the one where we've got to get some bravado. We've got to trust in God. You know, I haven't been through that exact thing. But I'll tell you something. I've been through something like it. And I'm really finding a lot of help with my frustration and my difficulties with this. Can I share that with you? And that's, that's the moment. What are they going to say? You know, about nine times out of ten, they're going to go, well, yeah, sure. What, what are you talking about? Well, I've got this app here. Now, let's pretend like for a moment I'm not talking to a congregation, but I'm talking to a person, and we were just talking about a problem, and I actually got up the bravado to say, hey, man, I know what you're talking about. Could, could I? And I'm scared, right? So I'm stumbling here a little bit. But, but could I share with you something where I'm, I'm really finding a lot of help? Yeah. Okay, so I got this app here, and it really represents something I believe and where I'm gaining an understanding for why things are the way they are and and where we can get help. Let let me show you this. So, first of all, God has a design. Man, God created this place to be beautiful, to be perfect, to be be joy and celebration. He, He created this to be good. As a matter of fact, when God got all done with everything, it says there in Genesis 131 that that God saw all that he made and it was very good. That's what God delivered to you and me. Now, I mean, obviously, I know from the conversation we're having that very good is not what you're experiencing right now. Very good is not what I'm experiencing. Hey, if God made such a great place, why is, why is everything broke? Well, yeah, that's sin, actually. You know, we, we kind of get squeamish about that word. You know, we know that's a church word, and we think it's a judgmental word. You know, sin really is just me saying, I don't need God's design. I don't need God's design on marriage or anger or sexuality. I don't need God's design on money. I don't need God's design on relationship. I can do my own design. I don't need anybody telling me what to do. You know, but see, the problem is anytime that you and I pick up something that has a design to it and we use it another way, guess what we do? We break it. And that's, what, that's what's going on all over the world in every relationship. We're just breaking things over and over and over. Now, the conversation you and I have, it's not about a sin you committed. It's not about a sin I committed. 
You know, we're, we're talking about something out there, but we've all chipped into the problem. We keep this energy of brokenness going. Every one of us. God said it this way, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all breaking the design over and over. And, and it says here there's a consequence for that. The wages of sin is death. That separation, the part of me created to relate with God has died. And now his power, his wisdom, his ability to navigate this, it's gone in my life. Because I've, I've chosen to follow my own design. And that's what leads to brokenness. That's what you and I are experiencing. That's why we're having the conversation that we have. And you see these squiggly little lines? You know what those are? None of us likes to be in brokenness. The moment I'm in something that's broken, I want it fixed. And so I'm going to go look for a way. I want peace. I want happiness. I want wholeness. I want purpose. So I'm going to go try something that's going to give me that. It may be an idea that comes to my mind. It may be something I see my friends doing. But hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go try porn. I mean, hey, it's a moment of peace. It's a, it's a moment of pleasure. Hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try alcohol. Hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm, I'm going to try a better spouse. Hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get a better job. Hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get revenge. That's what every one of these little squiggly lines, that's, that's my way of, hey, here's, here's where I'm going to make things better. Here's where I'm going, to, I'm going to make it right. And, you know, it's not four squiggly little lines coming out of our brokenness, is it? We have like a thousand things. And none of them are going to work because here's the problem with all the things we try. Romans 1 says, they, that's you and me, we exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And we worshiped and served something created instead of the creator. That, that word worship, another way to read that is we gave value to something. Instead of giving value to God and his design, I gave value to myself and porn. I gave value to myself and my work. I gave value to myself and revenge. I put the value into something else, and that, that's just going to lead to more and more brokenness. But you know what? There's a, there is a fix. That's the gospel. Man, God, God continues to love us, even though we're breaking everything he gave us, even though we think we're so smart and we can come up with our own designs and ideas. God didn't leave us broken. You know, it says here that Jesus, you've heard that name, that's God in, in human flesh. And he came here, says to live perfectly according to God's design, to show us what that looked like. He also came to rescue us, to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And he took our brokenness, our sin and shame, and he, and he took it on the cross. And that's what fixes us with God again. That's what makes us friends with God again. You know, the Bible says, John three sixteen. you may have heard that verse before, you know, that God loved us. He gave his one and only son. And, and look at this, Colossians 2, he erased the certificate of debt and he taken it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Everything wrong in me, everything wrong in what I'm a part of, God has nailed that to the cross. Now, just hearing that isn't going to fix anything. I've got to respond to it. And the Bible says I've got to repent and believe. As a matter of fact, look at it right there, Mark 1. Repent and believe the good news. Repent just means change courses. I was going this way. I'm going to try all my designs and all my ways. I turn and I go to God and I put my trust in Him and I follow His way. 
and I put my trust in his design. And that's when God forgives us. We turn from our sin to trust only in Jesus. I'm not trusting in any of those squiggly lines anymore. I'm putting all my trust in Jesus. That's what it means to repent and, and believe. And once we do that, once Christ comes and lives in us, we can recover. We can pursue God's design in our lives again. You can pursue God's design for our workplace here. Or you can pursue God's design in that relationship at home. Look what it says in Philippians 2. It is God working in you, enabling you both to desire and to work out his good purpose. God's going to do that in you. God's going to do that in, in me. So now, what's the next step? It's to receive this gift. A lot of people do that by just asking God, could, could I have your gift? You know, maybe what, is there a special way to do that? You know, I think the Bible does guide us in that. Uh, it, here's a lot of people will ask for the gift in a prayer. Maybe that sounds something like this. My life is broken. I recognize it's because of my sin that I need you. I believe Christ came to live and die and was raised from the dead to rescue me from my sin. Forgive me. I turn from my selfish ways and I put my trust in you alone. I know that Jesus is Lord of all and I will follow him. You know where all that language comes from? Look at this. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what God said. That's what God promised to you and me. You know, maybe you're thinking, well, I'm sure God loves a lot of people, but not what I've done. Not where I've been. No, it, it says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. There's nothing about you that has disqualified you from being an everyone. This is for you. Okay, I'm done with my one-on-one conversation, okay? I'm talking to y'all again. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's that simple. You say, well, I don't know. It sounds like there was a lot there. So I ran through that pretty quickly it, it, because I'm running out of time. But it could be more of a dialogue. I think training to do this is as simple as go home and read through this, I don't know, three times a day, two times a day for the next seven days. Just read it. Just read it out loud. Hear yourself saying these words. And then maybe get with a friend. Maybe somebody else you know would say, man, I sure would like to be able to do this. And say, hey, let's do this. Let's practice doing this on each other. So now I've gone from practicing saying it out loud and hearing myself saying this to actually looking at somebody who's going to say it. And I'm relatively confident they're not going to bite me. And I, I just pra- and we just get practice on each other doing that. Folks, it, it could be as simple as that. And it just comes back then to praying, God, would you give me the bravado? Give me the courage to be able to say to somebody, hey, man, I, I understand the frustration you're talking about. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying I have all the answers or I've figured everything out in my life. But can I share with you where I'm getting some help? Can you give that witness? That's being an ambassador. That's it. Can you give that witness? You know, folks, I... I uh, as we leave here, I do want to share with you some things you can, you can get. Uh, one, uh, we, you can go to Amazon. Can you believe they're selling this? Amazon's going to help us be an ambassador for Christ. Uh, turning everyday conversations into gospel conversations. Turning everyday conversations into gospel conversations. Um, you see, it's not a big book. 
And this book goes with the app. Do I need this book to learn to do the app? No, you don't. But you will feel a lot more confident and understanding of that presentation if you read this short little book. I, I, I promise you that. So I, I think it's like 8 or $9 on Amazon. And so there, you can get that. And then here today, you can get a written version. I don't have an app or I've got an Android. We do have it in tract form and you can go out there today to one of our desks or it'll tell you what desk and we'll give it to you. Here it is. We'll just put it in your hands. So there's this. And then we've got this little card, Life on Mission, Praying for. And I want to encourage you to get this card and put three, five, seven names on here, people at work, at school, in my home that you know need to have a gospel conversation. And start praying for them. And you say, oh, I don't know. I don't know that I, I could do this. Okay, maybe it won't be you. Can you pray this? God, would you bring somebody into Tom's life that will have a gospel conversation with them? I don't think it can be me, Lord. I just can't do it. But could you pray that God brings somebody into their life? Can you be a part of that in prayer? Let's, let's be a church that at the very minimum, we're praying about what needs to happen in the people around us. Amen? Let, let's, let's start with prayer. So you can go out there and get either one of these. We even got, I got a, uh, 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 let me pull it out. Ah! You know, one of these armbands right here. It's got that entire app right there on the armband. And now I don't have to figure out how to turn a conversation toward the gospel. I just let them go, hey, what's that? What, what does all the writing on there mean? Oh, you want to know? I mean, they asked, right? So that we'll give you all these things today. Go out there and and look for these, and we'd we'd love to be able to get to give you these, folks. I just I pray. I, I feel so. God could one hundred percent of us think about what I'm supposed to do with this that I heard today. Could one hundred percent of us think about what am I supposed to do with what I heard today? Think about it. Pray about it. Pick up one of these things. We'll hand them to you, not the book. But we'll, we'll give you these other things. Uh, something's got to change. Not, not so we can win an election. Something's got to change because we have a church that thinks it's wrong to do what our God and Savior said. Something's got to change. You know, I, I did it very quickly, and it wasn't really in a conversational way, but the gospel was shared, wasn't it? And I'm confident that for somebody in here today, something just clicked. A light bulb went off. And you're thinking, hey, I, I think that's it. That's, that's, that's what I need. <laughs> that needs to be the new squiggly line in my life. Hey, if you need to talk with somebody about the gospel, and I encourage, don't do this all internally. We never act on what's just internal. I think Jesus would tell you, take a step of faith. And here today, I think that step of faith would be to go right out there in the center. We have a desk called Next Steps. And there's some people standing behind it and say, hey, I'd like to talk about the gospel here. However you phrase it, they'll figure out what you're asking. Sit down, answer some of your questions, dialogue with you about that, and see if that's something you want to do in your life today. Today, you can become a child of God with God living in you. Go, go find out what that's about right here, right now, today. Today, you can become a citizen of heaven. 
Maybe you've got questions about becoming a part of our church family, joining here. You think, man, yeah, this is what I want to be a part of. This is what I want to be doing. Uh, Go to that desk out there. They'll answer your questions about baptism or joining the church or whatever your questions around that are. They'll, They'll help you with that today. Today was conversation number one. It's going to be an entirely different presentation, but next week we're going to look at conversations two through six. We'll just be kind of showing you what's going to be happening and what those are. Hey, one more thing. I know we're getting long here. We've got a starting point class starting in just a few minutes. Uh, It'll run for the next three Sundays in this next hour. Really want to encourage you to take that. Uh, We have one starting Wednesday night. If you want to come back on Wednesdays and do that, you say, what is starting point? It is incredible. It is an incredible opportunity for for you in three hours of time to greatly understand who you are in Christ and who you are in God's church, particularly who you are in this church. I guarantee you that in three hours, you will know more about a church than you have ever known in your life and who you are in that church, whether you've been a member here for 30 years or you've been here for 30 minutes. It's, it's open to, to guests and members alike. If you're interested in that, go to that desk, say, hey, where's that starting point class? They'll get you to it. They'll give you more information whether you go today or Wednesday night. But hey, we're kicking off the fall. I think that'd be a great way to kick off what God's going to be doing in your life this fall. Thank you guys so much for being here. It's good to be back. I look forward to seeing you next week. God bless.